Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on the Twitter. And you can catch Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NWI.com. A third of the way through the Missouri Valley Conference slate in Valpo's at 5-1, and one, tied atop the Missouri Valley Conference with Loyola. But if the season ended today, which it doesn't, uh, I always think if, if you say if the season ended today, you have to immediately say, but it doesn't. Uh, Valpo would be the number two seed in the Valley Tournament after getting shellacked on the road at Loyola. We'll get into that game in a little bit. Valpo came back home, wire-to-wire victory over Northern Iowa, which was incredibly impressive because even at home, it felt like a maybe five-on-eight game for a little bit. Um, We'll talk about that in a second. And then, uh, you know, a big part of today is, you know, as Valpo's getting ready for Indiana State later on this evening, is I want to talk about John Kaiser. I did a big piece in the NWI times about John Kaiser. Matter of fact, they did a big piece last week before the Loyola game about Javon Freeman Liberty or Javon Freeman, depending on how you want to go with it. Uh, just to clear up something there about Javon, I asked him at the beginning of the year, what do you want to be referred to as Javon Freeman Liberty or Javon Freeman? And he said, he kind of laughed and he's, he is a, uh, he, he, I, I don't know that he's, I don't know if trustworthy, like the most, I don't think he trusts people right away. I think he's kind of leery a little bit. I see this a lot from, from people from Chicago. Um, so I think he was kind of sizing me up a little bit and he kind of laughed at me and said, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go with that. And then the next day was the first game of the season. And it says Freeman on the back of his Jersey. It says Freeman on the website. The university has just gone with Freeman. And I feel like maybe the university never asked him, what he wanted, but then I find out, I think he, there must've been a bio sheet that was filled out that it just said Freeman on it. So, um, it's interesting. I've, because the university has taken to calling him Freeman. That's what I've gone with. My editor at the times has said, if he prefers Freeman Liberty, we're putting Freeman Liberty down. Uh, I wrote a very long story about Javon Freeman and I read it in the paper the next day because that's what happens. We send in the story and then the editors get it, um, which they do an amazing job. And it said Freeman Liberty everywhere. So um, I'm really torn. Is it Freeman or Freeman Liberty? I don't I don't know the answer because um, the official name the university is going with is different than the name that I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. So uh Javon Freeman is what says in the box score. It's what says in all the official documents. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. It's 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 I I don't know the answer. We'll just leave it at that. So uh, I wrote a great what I call a great story. When I say that I wrote a great story, it's not that I think I wrote a great story. It's that I I was given a great story to tell. And talking to Javon's uncle Marcus Liberty, who played at Illinois and then went on to the Denver Nuggets and had a, a long professional career, uh, it was just a really interesting conversation. And talking about all these motivational messages that he sends him every day, whether it's about basketball or about life or, or whatever that may be. Javon's an interesting guy. As I go back and, and, and as I tried to to say that I think Javon keeps up a pretty big shield. Um, he's very, very short with the answers that he gives. Tavon Walker was like this as well. Tavon was a guy who was very... 
Uh, it took him a year or two to kind of crack out of that shell, which I think it does for a lot of people that are 18 years old. And so I think when we interview Javon, I think Javon is kind of like, okay, who are these guys? What are they trying to get out of me? What's the deal? And, uh, and, and I think over time, you know, that will, that will soften up. Um, some people are just very, uh, boisterous, gregarious, and, and they're talking with us right away. I mean, Bakari Evelyn is a joy to interview. Every time we talk to him, he's got, he's always, he's always looking for a good one liner to, to deliver. Uh, Jabril Atacoya was that same way. And, uh, and, and so Javon is kind of like Tavon a little bit, uh, very uh, cautious with the media. So interviewing him and coming away from that, he, he every question that we asked him, uh, he delivered kind of the answer, but didn't expound upon a lot. And so I'm going through my notes and I was like, man, I got to we got to I, I want to write a good story about Javon Freeman, but we got to we got to get more. And, and, and luckily I was able to get Marcus Liberty who, uh, said amazing things. And, um, I really, really like watching Javon play. Matter of fact, in that Northern Iowa game, AJ Green, who is probably the presumptive leader for Valley freshman of the year was amazing in that game. 25 points, you know, played really, really well. Javon Freeman missed his first four shots. Didn't score until the home run play late in the game. But he had four assists. He had a rebound. He had a steal. Um, he played 34 minutes. He played more minutes than anybody else on the floor for Valpo. He, he very, very rarely came off the floor. And while he only scored two points, I thought he made big contributions on the court. And I, I, I was thinking that you know, in the battle of maybe the top two freshmen in the Valley, one of them scored 25 points, and the other one never trailed in the game. And I guess the question is, which one do you want? And in that situation, you want Javon Freeman. So um, I don't think this is the last time that we're going to look at A.J. Green and Javon Freeman. And if these guys both stay at their respective schools for the next four years, this should be an excellent battle that we're going to see between these guys over the course of time. But let's get into the Loyola game. It was a nightmare for Valpo. And they were due for a nightmare, right? Uh, you know, winning that Illinois State game in the manner in which they did, going on the road to Missouri State and Southern Illinois and getting victories there, winning against Bradley at home. Valpo was due for a bit of a letdown. Now you're going into Loyola. The students were in the student section ready to go an hour and 10 minutes before the game started. Uh, that I, I get the sense that some people thought that the game day atmosphere at Loyola wasn't great. Let me tell you, I was at Loyola in like 2009 when they were in the Horizon League and Gentile Center or Gentile Arena or whatever they called it was before they'd done the renovations. You want to talk about no game day atmosphere? Let's talk about 10 years ago at Loyola. What they have today is excellent. They've renovated that arena to immaculate you know, delivery of what they can do with that space. Every time I walk in there, I think the arc could do this. They, they, they just gutted the arena that they had changed the direction of the court, I believe, and put in permanent seating. And the place looks great. It is a great small school basketball arena that when that place is loud and that place is packed, it, I mean, I can imagine. I saw, I watched the Illinois State game on TV last year. Um, obviously, they, they played Nevada this year. They, It's a fan base that's learning how to be a fan base right now, I think, right? The students are getting excited. Um, 
they when after they beat Valpo, the players ran around the court and high fived all the students and everything, and it was just. I thought it was excellent. I, I really, really thought it was excellent. And they're building, you know, the, the, their tagline is kind of created by culture. And Porter Mosier is building a good culture there that certainly did not exist when, when Valpo and Loyola played each other in the Horizon League. And there's a part of me, as as many of you know, I was kind of a Horizon League apologist and and probably wanted Valpo to stay in that league until, again, I've, I've really now gotten to understand what the valley is all about the valley runs deep uh but i kind of love the fact that valpo and loyola two horizon league programs are atop the conference a third of the way in does that mean that loyola and valpo are going to finish one two does that mean that illinois state and southern illinois and bradley and drake are irrelevant not at all i just i think that this is a it's really exciting because I know the Valley was questioned a lot about why did they add Loyola. And then when Valpo comes in and finishes in last place, all these fans of these big programs, state schools down in Illinois and Iowa and everything are like, we've got buyer's remorse. We should have taken Murray State. We should have taken Milwaukee. We should have taken the Dakotas. What's Valpo doing here? And uh, and I don't know that this is a revenge tour for Valpo, but this is maybe a we're here tour. Matter of fact, when... Uh, after they beat Northern Iowa, I, I put a tweet out there and uh, said Valpo to the rest of the Valley. And I, and I tried to use the clip from Wolf of Wall Street where Leonardo DiCaprio says, I'm not leaving. I'm not, you know, I'm not leaving. And uh, the show must go on. And just because Valpo went and got destroyed, and it was a 16-point game at Loyola, but that's putting it nicely. They were down 29 points. Just because Valpo went and got destroyed there didn't mean that they're going to pack up and go home for the rest of the season. And I thought they showed a lot of grit, pun intended, I suppose, because that's the word that, that people are going with uh, in that game against Northern Iowa. And really in the last couple minutes against Loyola. So they come out and they go back and forth in the beginning against Loyola. And, uh, and I thought that there were a couple plays early on, Saki driving to the basket and the ball just rimmed out couple shots early that don't go down. And if those shots go down, I think it's a different kind of game. You know, but but Loyola went on a run, and toward the end of the first half, they stretched it to 10 when I thought it really could have easily been four or five at the half. And, and really, had Valpo found the bottom of the net in a couple of those early possessions of the game, I thought Valpo at one point, they went to a break, and I think it was tied, and I thought Valpo should be up by eight right now if these shots would have gone down. And I know could have, would have, should have. But uh, I don't think Valpo played as bad in the first half as a 10-point deficit suggests that they did. Loyola just makes you pay for every single mistake. And they got the freshman Cooper Cafes, I believe his name is. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. 23 minutes, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 4 three-pointers, a steal, a block, an assist. It didn't have any turnovers, no fouls. This guy is the Grayson Allen of the Missouri Valley Conference, right? And I mean that as a compliment. Grayson Allen was this young kid who kind of came out of nowhere and and uh, and really, you know, by his sophomore year, we're like he's still in college. Bronson, uh, uh, Brad Davidson at Wisconsin is kind of the same way. I'm sure people say this about A.J. Green. But this guy, Cooper Cafes, is, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm watching him play, and I'm like, he, you know, talk about gritty. I mean, he just looked the part. And so I, I really uh, I think he's going to be a fun player to watch over the next couple of years. So 
in this game, Freeman and Saki both played 31 minutes. Saki had seven points, two rebounds, didn't have an assist. But, uh, you know, I thought that Saki and Freeman go on the road in a big-time environment. And, and they, uh, you know, I don't know that anyone, I don't know that anybody on Valpo's team played great. Marcus, 16 points, but even Marcus had some moments in the game, and including one where he stole the ball, but he committed a foul, and he tried to run with the ball into the stands, and Lodic ripped the ball out of his hands at one point. Uh, it was uh, it was a unique game for Valpo. And the beginning of the second half, anything that could go wrong did go wrong. And Bakari Evelyn played 12 minutes in the first half, and he was sick. You know, he missed two shots, had one rebound, no points. Uh, he looked miserable on the bench. And not because of body language, he just looked like he was should have been in the hospital. And so... The he didn't play in the second half, and you know Dion Lavender had five turnovers in the game, and and he just really struggled to kind of get going. And again, anything that could go wrong did go wrong for Valpo in that game. So Valpo's down twenty nine points in the second half, and then they start battling back, right? You know, and and really they start battling back even with some of Loyola's kind of players still out there, and uh, you know some of, some of their some of their. I mean, Crutwig was in there with five minutes left to go in the game. And, and uh, you know, finally with, with two minutes left and a 21-point game, they took out Towns, Williamson, Crutwig, and Custer. They took them all out at that point. And, and Valpo, you know, Smith's couple of free throws at the end. And Golder made two three-pointers in the last 37 seconds to make it look halfway respectable. But, again, it's one of those games that nothing went right for Valpo. And you take that one on the chin and, and you go home. And... Uh, I thought Saki, I think it was after the game, he said, you know, we got to learn from this one. Um, I mean, Freeman looked kind of, you know, they, they both, I mean, Freeman's going back home in, in Chicago and playing against a high school teammate, Lucas Williamson. And uh, I'm, I'm, they both came into the press conference, these freshmen, and I'm sure they didn't want to be there. And they both answered for, for kind of what had happened. And, and you come away from that thinking, all right, you're going to lose that game make it count, you know, figure out a way not to let that game beat you a second time. It, uh, I, I've, I've said this before, I like to play poker, and, you know, if you lose a hand that's a crippling hand in whatever way, shape, or form, you know, you, you, you got it in right or, or you, got, you got rivered or whatever the deal is, and, and, or someone bluffs you and they show the bluff and you just, you're miserable, and you got to move on immediately and you got to you got to learn from that hand but you can't let that hand affect your next hand in terms of of you know you're chasing after or anything like that so valpo comes out against northern iowa and what a what a game smith's 21 points 11 rebounds and they just kept feeding him the ball and i i, I said this in the story i led with my story on this I thought the best moment of the game actually was the beginning of the second half where Smiths goes, they get the ball inside to Smiths and he gets a shot blocked immediately, gets the rebound, goes back up with it, misses that shot. Like an easy bunny, I think he, he misses, gets the rebound again and puts it back up. I, 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 I love Derek, great, great guy and a guy that has, has worked hard over his four years at Valpo so far. Two years ago, even last year, after that shot gets blocked, Derek would have shriveled in in that. You know, after he gets the rebound and tries to put it back up the second time and misses, he would have looked at the refs and 
asked for the call, right? He showed his maturity on that on that stretch in a way that I, I you've got to see it if you're a Valpo fan that he has taken such a huge step forward and he knows it too. He said it after the game. He said, "I wouldn't have made that play last year." And and I don't know if it's Todd Townsend coming in and instilling confidence because Derek has mentioned that before. Continue work with Luke Gore. Continued work just going against Jay Soroya every day. Uh, Derek has taken his game to the next level. And there were even moments earlier this season where it didn't look like he was quite there yet. But he had that really good stretch kind of beginning with Wake Forest and and moving on through some of the non-conference slates. And he has just been, to use a term that Matt Loddick likes to use, he's been stacking success. And, and, and Smits was the best player on the floor in that game. I'm, I'm, you know, I look at A.J. Green, 7 of 15 from the floor, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. He did miss four of his five three-pointers. A.J. Green's going to be really good. But I talked earlier this year at length about how Valpo has struggled because they haven't had the alpha male on the floor. They haven't had the best player on the floor that night. And Derek Smith's with the help of his teammates, four assists from Freeman, three assists from Kaiser, four assists from Lavender. Um, Valpo moved the ball really well, and 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 they're helping to set up Smits, but Smits was the best player on the floor. He had five turnovers in the game. He's doing a lot, but he was the best player. He took 18 shots, career-high 18 shot attempts. He was the best player on the floor that day. And against Indiana State tonight, they've got a lot of perimeter guys who can hit shots. But Smits is going to have another opportunity to battle inside. And if Smits can, if Smits gets to 14, 15 points, I think Valpo's doing pretty well for themselves tonight against Indiana State. Um, I thought that, uh, again, Freeman had some good contributions there. I thought that Lavender, uh, you know, bounced back. He played 17 minutes. He had a tough game against Loyola. He had seven points, four assists, three rebounds. And obviously the guy I think that, that played really well was Picari Evelyn. 14 points, uh, a couple of big three-pointers, a huge three-pointer late in the game when it was down to 64-60, to 60, and Bakari did really well there. But the player that I—well, I, I, actually, before we get into to, to Kaiser, let's talk about A.J. Green for a second. A.J. Green is phenomenal for Northern Iowa. He is the uh, son of one of their—the son of their associate head coach. He's local kid from Northern Iowa. He was a highly touted recruit, and— he, he looks the part, looks like a gym rat basketball player. Um, really, really impressed by him. But he's not LeBron James. He's not Michael Jordan. And the refs were calling the game like he was. Ten free throws, ten free throw attempts, he got to it. Now this is going to infuriate the Northern Iowa fans if they stumble upon this podcast because I was very critical of them last year because – that team, and again, I was an outsider to the Valley last year, didn't know anything about the league, didn't know anything about the fan bases, didn't know anything about anything, and I saw that Northern Iowa is just really good at getting calls, or maybe they're amazing at not following, and you get so frustrated because you follow them. I don't know the answer to that, but Jacobson, an amazing coach, right? No, no question about it, and part of being an amazing coach is being able to work the refs, and he has done a great job in that. Now, both teams were called for 16 fouls, right? So it's not like I'm not I'm not saying that there was like a huge disparity. I mean, Northern Iowa took 20 free throws, Valpo took 19. There was no big disparity in this game, 
But A.J. Green is getting calls like he's the greatest player to ever step on the floor. Some of these kind of high ball screens that Northern Iowa setting, Sackey and Freeman were, were, were picked off by Northern Iowa guys at the top of the key, and that call falls on Sackey and Freeman, these moving screens that they're doing. And it's like you got to be able to, to have some contact at the top of the key there. Meanwhile, Smits is getting hammered inside. Watch If you go back and watch the replay of the game, Watch Lodick's body language even after the shots are going in for Smiths. I mean, he was infuriated with some of the non-calls that are happening down low. But up top in the backcourt, Green is getting all these calls. And, I mean, the guy goes to the line. He knocks down the free throws. Maybe it's a big part of his game. I've only seen him one time. But, again, I don't want to take anything away from A.J. Green. That kid can play, and he's going to be one of the best players in this league for the next several years. But... Can maybe we wait until he's a sophomore or junior before we start giving him the star treatment in terms of the calls? Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe, you know, I look, my basketball career tapped out in eighth grade. I I never got a star treatment call to save my life. Uh, so I, maybe I don't even know what they look like. But he's good. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from him. I just felt like he was set up for a little bit more than, than I mean, this was, a, this was a road game too for Northern Iowa. Can't even imagine what it's going to be like at their place where last year they had the biggest disparity in, uh, in calls between uh, home and road. And, and I did all, I did a big piece on that last year is Valpo getting hazed and, and uh, you know, it was the Northern Iowa fans who took the most offense to that. And I think one person said that, I, I'd been around for 20 minutes and I was a caricature of myself already or a joke or whatever. I, I thought it was, thought it was pretty good. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk. John Kaiser. Great, great opportunity to sit down with John Kaiser. Uh, you know, I, I, I reached out to Aaron Levitt the other day at the men's basketball SID. And I said, okay, I'm getting some space in the paper. Um, because, you know, some some games we have big preview stories, other days we don't, and the days that we don't are typically this other stuff going on, big high school games, stuff like that. But, you know, Valpo's 5-1 and one in the conference, and and starting to feel, you know, we're, we're starting to get some more more juice out there about Valpo, so let's write a little bit more about him. And, and uh, look, I've told you before, if it were up to me, we'd have... 1200 word features every day, but it's not up to me. So, um, and, and really it's kind of up to you. I need you to click on them and retweet them and send them and share them and all of that. Don't copy and paste the link of the article or, or don't copy and paste the actual article, make people go to the site and click on it and pay for journalism. Um, anyways, my point is, is that, you know, I reached out to Aaron Levin. I said, look, I got some space here. What's the story to tell? And I had in the back of my mind, I'd been thinking about either Smiths or Kaiser. And I knew that uh, the Indianapolis Star and the Chicago Tribune both just did big pieces on Derek Smiths. And I know that I don't necessarily have to keep those people in mind when I'm doing my job because I'm I work for my own set of things. But, um, you know, I I want to tell a story that no one else is telling and Aaron came back and said, you know, Smith's is being told by other people. And he said, what about Kaiser? And I already was kind of leaning that way. And I said, you know what? You're right. And then, and then Aaron pointed out some kind of some stuff to me that I'd kind of forgotten that, you know, Kaiser played 30 minutes last year against Illinois state. A couple games later, he was down to eight minutes. Um, he got hurt at, at Indiana state last year, site of where this next game is going to be. But the one thing that really, 
uh, stood out to me was something I remember two years ago when Alec Peters was here. And I remember talking to Peters. I, I had a good relationship with, with, with Alec, and I mean, we interviewed him almost every day. And I remember talking to him one day before the season started, and he starts telling me about this walk-on that they've got named John Kaiser, who I knew about a little bit because I, I'd bumped into a guy from Noblesville, and he told me, hey, you don't know about this guy yet, but you're going to. And I said, okay, he's a walk-on. What are we, what are we talking about here? And, uh, and so Alec one day, you know, it's probably September, and, you know, I, hey, Alec, what's the year look like? How are things going? And I think it was he and Jabril were, were there, and, and Alec starts talking about this John Kaiser guy. He's like, oh, I hate him. I can't stand him. But it was like, I hate him like you hate your younger brother. You know, like you love him, but you hate him. And he's talking, this guy just goes at me every single day. He just needles me every single day. And I was like, okay, you're an All-American. You're going to be an All-American. You're going to be an NBA draft pick. You're going to be the all-time leading scorer, all-time leading rebounder. And you're letting a walk-on get under your skin. And, and he was rattled in, in, in a way, you know. And, uh, I mean... I, I saw Peters really take Kaiser under his wing. Think about that. The star, the biggest star that this program's had in 20 years is he's, you know, he, he spent the August of his senior year. He spent in LA battling against Rashid Wallace and the best players that Nike has in their fold. And he comes back and he's getting, He's getting agitated by a walk-on, and that always stuck with me. And, you know, and Kaiser played a little bit here and there, play, played more than a walk-on normally would under Bryce Drew or Homer Drew. And so, you know, and, and there were reasons for that, obviously with Jabril being out that year. And and so I, that always kind of stuck with me. And when Peters broke his foot and was out for the rest of the, the season, it was Kaiser who, who saw a jump in minutes. He started in the in the Horizon League tournament against Milwaukee, and then he was the best player on the floor for Valpo against Illinois. And that team had kind of mentally checked out a little bit, you know. And and uh, and so here we are with John Kaiser taking a, a big step forward, gets a scholarship after his his freshman year, and it's not really talked about much. And kind of comes back, and we find out about it. There was no viral video or anything like that. And uh, and and Kaiser kind of fills a role. One of the things that is not in the story that I wrote, and again, go to nwi.com and, and check out the story or go buy a newspaper. One of the things that was said last year by Matt Loddick on repeat was, I know what I'm going to get with John Kaiser. Because we'd kind of ask, you know what, Kaiser, you know, you you guys were, this happened a lot last year. Valpo would, wouldn't play Kaiser much, and then they'd get down 10 to 2 or 12 to 6 or something like that and they'd put Kaiser in the game and then they'd tie the game. They'd come back into the game. And we would and, and you know ultimately take Kaiser out, put the probably the more talented guys out on the floor and end of the game would come, Balpo would lose by 6 or 8 or something like that and 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 we'd say, "Well, what about John Kaiser?" you know, and and Matt Lodick would always say, "I know what I'm going to get with John. I know what I'm going to get." And uh it, it, almost to the point where, and, and Matt does this a lot, and he, 
he uh, he he falls back on. I think a lot of coaches do this, but he falls back on things to describe players. Right when he talks about freshmen uh, early on in the non-conference, he always says we've got to get them to learn that the when they were in high school the best shot for their team was a shot that they could get and now we got to learn that maybe that's not the case anymore he says that every year he said that for three straight years every time with John Kaiser he would say I know what I'm going to get with John but it was it was said in a genuine way right where, where you could tell that it wasn't lip service he knew that when he put Kaiser on the floor he was going to get balls to the wall effort maybe he's not the most athletic or the fastest or the most talented but He's going to get great effort. I asked Kaiser about that, and he said it means a lot to hear that. I want to be the guy that you can rely on. If you put me in the game, you know what you're going to get, and it means a lot to know the coaching staff has confidence in me. And this actually started for Kaiser when he was in high school. Billy Shepard was was building an AAU program, kind of restocking his AAU program around Joey Brunk, who is now a, a sophomore redshirt sophomore I think at Butler's started the last five games for Butler at center and and Shepard saw Kaiser when Kaiser was a sophomore and he said I was looking to fill pieces around Joey I saw John play quite a bit and he was playing varsity as a sophomore he had so many intangibles that I liked about him he was the hardest playing hardest working guy on the floor I loved his basketball decision making and it was one of those things where he just immediately fell in love with his game but not a lot of people would see John Kaiser in high school because he he didn't I mean he played at a smaller school he he just never really got the pub and even in AAU his job was to be the the guy behind the guy kind of what he is at Valpo Western Michigan was looking at him from what Billy Shepard told me but ultimately Kaiser committed to Purdue Northwest verbally committed to Purdue Northwest and then Billy Shepard through he knew uh, Mike Nupnow and Rob Barron, two guys in Valpo, knew these guys. And uh, Nupnow had as a, a connection with Matt Lotta because I think Lotta stayed with him when he first got, became an assistant at Valpo. And so Billy worked with Mike and, and Rob Barron and, and said, Look, guys, let's get John a workout at Valpo. We think that this can, can be a thing. And so uh, Shepard set it up, called John's dad. And, uh, and and said, hey, let's get him up to Valpo. Kaiser didn't really know what he was coming to Valpo for. It was just He was just going through a college workout close to Purdue Northwest. His dad knew a guy. Billy knew a guy. They got a workout. They show up. Alec Peters is there. Peters is going through a summer workout. They put Kaiser in there with him. And Kaiser, you know, goes right at Peters. And, and I don't have all the details of the workout, but I know that when the workout was done, they and I don't know if it was immediately, but I mean, from what Kaiser said, when they were done, they offered him a chance to be a walk-on, and Kaiser didn't know that that was what was happening going in. He thought it was just a workout. He thought it was just getting in the gym, working out with somebody, loving the fact that he gets to battle against a guy who's probably going to be an All-American. And so for Kaiser, when he got to Valpo, he'd already had experience going up against Peters with really no pressure on him. So that's the way that he went at him every single day. I reached out to Alec via direct message on Twitter, and I asked him, you know, I'm doing a story on Kaiser. What? Just tell me your initial kind of thoughts on Kaiser and all of that. And I included about half of what he said in this story because it just didn't have space for it. I want to read you what Alec responded, right? 
He said, John should have been given a scholarship offer after the first week he was on campus, the way he stepped up and challenged me in practice. He never quit. I even tackled him one time in a small team workout because he was doing such a good job getting at me. So that's what I included in the story because that's what fit in and everything. But there's a whole nother paragraph here that I want to read you. My last two years at Valpo, I had maybe a couple of people I had trouble scoring against. John Kaiser was one of them. He wouldn't give up. He had the same energy every day, and that's what made me better and everyone better. I had to meet or exceed that every day, or he was going to win that day. That's something every team needs. Even on his worst day, you knew he would come to work. Special kid. This is an all-American NBA draft pick who's telling me he's got to bring it every day or a walk-on is going to outwork him. Just think about that. People give Kaiser a lot of crap, right? It's four on five when he's out there on offense. You know, he's what is he doing out there? If Kaiser's on the floor, it's Valpo's not doing. Alec Peters is telling you that this guy is going to outwork every single person out there. The guy broke his nose twice, didn't miss a game, wears a mask. He missed six games because of an ankle injury, couldn't walk last year at Indiana State. And Valpo missed him. John Kaiser brings something. I'm really sure what that something is. And I'll tell you this. Peters goes down at the end of his freshman year. Kaiser's the guy that steps up. Joe Burton's out. Tavon's got mono, you know. Kaiser is the guy that fills in and starts kind of being the being the guy there. I mean, Tavon gets sick and Kaiser steps into the starting lineup at Northwestern. So Kaiser is like the guy you got on your team to fill in when somebody goes out. And then this year happens, his junior year, and Kaiser is kind of an afterthought again. You've got Freeman, who's probably taking minutes away from maybe what Kaiser would, would get a chance to do a little bit. You've got Fizikas, who's obviously taking minutes away. You're still holding out hope that Malik McMillan is going to break through. Kaiser's just kind of a guy. But Fizikas gets hurt, and who goes in the starting lineup? It's not Bakari Evelyn or Dion Lavender getting their starting spot back. It's not Malik McMillan who started the season opener. It's not you know, any of these other guys that are out there, it's John Kaiser. And Kaiser played 27 minutes against Northern Iowa. Knocked down a three-pointer, knocked down four free throws, six rebounds in the game. You know, he had a season-high seven points, which seven points for Kaiser feels like 20 for somebody else because he just doesn't shoot. Billy Shepard told him, he would. Uh, he started to threaten him. He said, uh, John's such a low-key guy. You never really get a feeling for what he's thinking. I had to threaten him to shoot. I told him, if you don't start shooting, I'm taking you out of the game. Kaiser's kind of come in, starts knocking down some three-pointers or shooting some three-pointers because he said the other day in practice, if he hits one, that opens up the defense and gets the ball inside. You've got to respect his ability to do that. Kaiser played a little bit at the beginning of the year. Didn't get a ton of minutes. And then uh, middle of uh, middle of non-conference, toward the end of non-conference, he's just gone, not not getting off the floor. Didn't play against High Point. Didn't play against George Washington. I think uh, played two or three minutes over an eight-game stretch that lasted over a month. He played 26 minutes total, or less than he played against Northern Iowa over an entire month. And here's what Matt Lodick had to say about it the other day. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read this verbatim because I just think it's so so good. John was huge. He's talking about the Northern Iowa game. He embodies what we want the program to be about. 
People forget because he's starting now, but John went through a stretch for three or four games where I don't think he got on the floor. Never a complaint. All I heard was the ball bouncing in the gym and him working on it. Being there completely for the team, when you watch him play, that's what he is. He wants to win, and he wants to do what he can do to help us. We all learn a little bit from John Kaiser because he goes about life the right way. I mean... Think about that. I so let me tell you a fun story about my conversation with John Kaiser. I I, I sit down with him on uh, on Monday, I think it was. I said, John, I'm I'm, I'm going to do a story about you. We're going to talk, um, and I'm sitting in the lobby of the basketball wing, and Luke Gore comes out while I'm talking to John, and Gore sits there, and he's beaming while John is answering questions. I talk, uh, you know, I asked, I asked him about Alec Peters. John says, I poked at him every day in practice. Every drill I was going up against him, so I found the things that he didn't like. People guarding him, and I tried to do that every day. I said, when did you know that you belonged? He said, when I felt acceptance, we were doing a wall-up drill. I went up against Alec, and we hit each other. He had to go get checked out by the athletic trainer. He came back, and I apologized to him. He said, don't be sorry. This is what I need. I must be doing something right. As he's saying this, I'm like, Gore has almost got tears in his eyes. I asked him, about being a student athlete and getting a scholarship. He said, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to get the rest of my school paid for. It didn't need to be a big deal. He said, being a student athlete, you only have so many opportunities. You get this free degree, and I wanted to take more advantage of it than most people I feel do. He's an engineering major. They haven't had an engineering major since Seth Colclasier. Engineering was a thing I wanted to do to push myself academically and as an athlete at the same time. Being an athlete, you get pushed on both sides mentally and physically. I wanted to do that in academics as well. I don't really have a career goal. Engineers are problem solvers. He starts talking about his father who was once an engineer. Now he works in purchasing for a company. I know with an engineering degree, you can do a lot of things with it. Engineering is just to get me in the door places, and then I'll find out where I'm going to fit in after that. And I kind of feel like for John Kaiser, work ethic is just to get him in the door places, and then he'll find out where he's going to fit in after that. And there are days that Kaiser fits in with 27 minutes, and there are days he doesn't get off the bench. I asked him about that. I said, look, you don't get a lot of time sometimes. When Fizikas gets back, Kaiser's probably playing five minutes a game, if that. And I said, talk me through that. And he just paused for a second and he kind of looked like the question was kind of baffling to him. And he just looked and said, I'm just having fun with this experience of playing college basketball. I don't care how much time I get. And it was like, he wasn't apologizing for the fact that he wasn't bothered if he only got two minutes. I don't think Getting to know Kaiser, I don't know that Kaiser shows up to the gym and works his ass off so he can earn more playing time. I don't think that's what drives him. I think he shows up and works his ass off in the gym because he's trying to make himself, his teammates, everybody better. It's just what you're supposed to do. Billy Shepard said that he's a throwback guy and uh, that, you know, Billy called himself a throwback guy and said that's why he loves John because he's a throwback guy. Um, uh, it just, it was such a fun story. So uh, he's such a good person to talk to. And, and I said to him, I said, look, you're the upperclassman now. You're a junior. Who, 
who do you go after? Is it Fizikas? Is it Derek? Like, is it Dion? And he said, I go after everybody. Alec was a special assignment my freshman year. Now it's just kind of how I practice. If I'm going up against you, you're going to be battling that day. And I just, I thought it was great. It was such a fun, fun time and and talking to John and and having Gore there and just like just beaming because Gore was the one who ultimately uh, looked at John and, and, and helped negotiate and get that that workout. And uh, Luke kind of said that he had no idea that John was verbally committed to Purdue Northwest. And I don't know that anyone I I've known John for three years now and I never knew that he was verbally committed to Purdue Northwest. So uh, John Kaiser, there you go. I, I you know he. I don't know where his story is going to end with Valpo basketball. Probably nothing spectacular. And, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when people come through the door here and they look at the all-time roster, they're going to see a guy's name on there, John Kaiser. And he won't be in any of the record books. But John Kaiser is one of the single coolest, best, most fun, hardest working players I've ever encountered in my almost 20 years of being around the Valpo basketball program. I want to re- I want to read the one quote again from Matt Lodick. We'll end it here. We all learn a little bit from John Kaiser because he goes about life the right way. Valpo and Indiana State tonight should be a, uh, a, a battle, not really get a sense wouldn't one way or the other which way it's going to go. If Indiana State hits shots on the perimeter, they're a tough out at home. If Valpo can establish Smiths inside, they're a tough out anywhere. It's going to be a really good game, I think. I'll be down there looking looking forward to Terre Haute. Always a good time. And then uh, Saturday, Valpo against Drake, the lone Saturday night home game of the year. Uh, should, be, should be a good, good contest for Valpo. As we inch closer to the halfway point in the Missouri Valley Conference, Valpo holding their own. A win tonight would would equal the amount of wins that they had last year I think the big thing is right now for Valpo you want to you know you want to avoid the 7 through 10 which I think they're in a good position to do that and then then you get greedy then you want to be the one or two because if that happens you ultimately uh you know you'll be playing a tired team on the second day of the conference tournament this is a one bid league this year Valpo is going to work their hardest to, to get to the best seating possible there's some really talented teams that are struggling, so it's going to be a rock fight at Arch Madness. I can't wait to be there. It's going to be awesome. Valpo, Indiana State, looking forward to it tonight. Thanks, as always, for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, retweet, favorite, click, do whatever you can to help out a journalist. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care.